if you look at my overhead, it's going to be up here in a second. Do you see anything about that image that's particularly unusual? What? <laughs> oh, the Millers, yeah. Was that where that came from? That uh, no regrets? Was it on his neck? I, all I remember is that particular image. So I, Chris and I were talking about it, so I pulled that up. I thought it would be a funny thing just to intro introduce the message. The, um, can you imagine what it would be like to, to have a tattoo like that and have to wear that the rest of your life? I mean, think about it. Well, you know what? <laughs> life is just like that. Um, sometimes it feels like we do things that can't be undone, things that uh, once done are part of our history. We feel like we're wearing an image of our mistakes and failures sometimes, and there's nothing we can do about it. It's indelibly imprinted on us, and we, we cart that around as part of who we are. Um, I've been telling my story for a long time. I, uh, in fact, uh, someone came to me not long ago and said, Bob, I heard your testimony. It was a three-minute snippet on the radio, and that was something that was recorded back in the 90s on K-Love, and it was still circulating around, and they were in another state. Somebody called me from Pennsylvania and somebody else from another place. Anyway, it was interesting because my, my, <laughs> my testimony then was just about getting saved and coming out of the darkness a little bit. But anyway, it got posted. I, but I've been giving my story in, um, in a program called Celebrate Recovery for 10 or 11 years. And every year when it came time to talk about people developing their testimony and writing it out and learning to tell their story in a way that is, you know, maybe would help someone else, I would have to do that and to model it for people because you can't talk about something and not do it, right? So I would give my testimony, and there's something about this. I would, I would t retell my story, and I would... I would come away with a, a, a feeling of chronic sadness having told it. It would make me sad. It would, um, there was something in that story that felt unfinished. There was something that remained of that history that felt like, for me, a tattoo. And, um, and so I came away sad each time. Like I wasn't celebrating that recovery. I was telling about the goodness of God. I was telling them about how much he had done for me, but I felt like there was something that lingered that was undone, that was unfinished. My story, um, as I think back, there was something woven through my thinking that was a belief. Somehow in this history, in this story, there was a belief in my heart that I still needed to make things right that there was something that I had not done to complete this work that God had begun. And somehow I felt like it was up to me to try to erase this indelible tattoo of my shame. And that's what it was. It was uh, a memories of who I had been and what I had done that I couldn't let go of. And I know all the christian -y stuff. I have people tell me, Bob, just do it. Just let it go and and enter into freedom, but let me tell you, it was a stronghold in my life, and I couldn't just let it go. Is that okay to say that? I absolutely could not do it. I couldn't figure out a way to work through that. I did everything I knew how to do. I was, 
I, I tried my best to be a, a model and a Christian example, and still this thing lingered in the back of my mind about my past. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get rid of it. I can look back now and I can see that for years now the Lord's been coming to me with questions about what I th- I'm thinking. What are you thinking about? Bob? And he would say to me, as Jesus did to, to the Jewish people when he came, he says, you've heard it said this, but I tell you the truth. And he kept coming to me and challenging me in these areas of unbelief, and I couldn't get traction on it. I couldn't make it work for me. You don't get to admit that. But you don't quit. You, you persevere. You press on, and you think someday these dry bones are going to come to life and that something's going to be breathed on this, and I'll get freedom. And um, I, was, I was passionate about doing, overcoming that. But I never could get to the bottom of that unfinished business with God. I try as I may, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I'm told that you will always reflect the world you're most aware of. And there's something about guilt that slowly over time erodes your self-worth and your identity and begins to eat away at your soul if it's not dealt with. See, your opinion of yourself begins to leak out and describe itself in your life story. You can't hide what you really believe. Sooner or later it comes out as it's the fruit of your life. And, and I felt like, as I was constantly looking back on my life, trying to tweak it and make this thing work, that every time I looked at that person, I saw an ugly person inside and out. I saw a flawed person that couldn't get to the place of, of righteousness. I was always striving with God, trying to do better. Studied more than anybody else. I tried harder than anybody I knew. I failed more than anybody I know. <laughs> uh, but I didn't quit. I can say that. But there was always a deep sadness that followed in the wake of what I observed in my history. A deep sadness, a chronic sadness. And I never could find a place of joy. Everything to me was serious. It was, it was we got to get this thing done and we got to keep focused and we got to work harder. And I never found a place where I could rest and release that and find freedom. And what follows on that, this, this left me vulnerable to blame and criticism. There was a place in me that accepted these opinions of people and criticism. And I, because I had an inner belief that I was deserving of that. So, <laughs> but thank God that was not the end of my story. The Lord was insistent that I see things as he does. And I would come away with his view about who I am. He absolutely was unrelenting. And he was always in my face and in my ear and in my mind and my dreams, calling me to see something different than what I saw. He didn't give up on me. Case in point. (laughs) A number of years ago, a man named Bob Hazlitt spoke at our church where I was attending at the time. 
And the staff had a private audience with him, and I, I got a one-on-one -on -one with this guy. And uh, in the time together, I was about to retire, and I was done and finished and over ministry, and I was going to go play golf the rest of my life. And, um, and this guy read my mail. He, he, he just walked up and out of nowhere, and he just started talking to me, and it was the Lord. I, because I, I could feel the presence of the Lord in it, and I heard things that I knew were him, but they somehow they had the power in this prophetic moment to grip me with something called hope. The, um, in this word, the Lord began to redefine and, and redescribe my identity. He began to speak to who I thought I was and about my future, not my end, not my retirement, but what was next for the two of us. And I was just confused because I, was, I just knew that he was done with me. I'd given it my best, and it was okay. And he said, no, Bob, you haven't seen what I have for you yet. <laughs> Lord, and, and when he did this, and he did it in the most wonderful way. He came to me in a loving way, speaking words of identity over me that just pierced my heart. And remarkably, would you believe this, not once did he mention my past. Everything is about what we're going to do and where we're going together and the future that I had at 70-something years old. And I've thought about that for years now. I've kind of been just pacing myself, wondering what's next and what's coming and, and thinking, you know, I'm getting older every year, <laughs> you know, and I don't know how long you'll let me stand up here and speak. And so I've just been holding my place, waiting for breath to be breathed over my dry bones. I read once that one of the most dangerous things we can do is think of ourselves differently than God does. So, recently one morning, I was studying, and I suddenly became aware of God's presence with me. I found myself caught up in something that I can only characterize or describe as um, I was being immersed in his love. And, and um, in that moment, I just began, my heart began to warm to his presence, and I began to just praise him. It was a, a strange thing. It just came out of nowhere. I was just, just studying, and the next thing I know, I was feeling, I was saying and feeling words of gratitude and peace welled up in my heart, and then his voice broke into my thoughts, and he began to speak to me. And so I just, I just began to write down what he was saying in my journal, and it, I, it sounded like this. Bob, over the years, you've become beaten down and worn out. And life has handed you so many disappointments and failures. And I want you to know that I'm here to help you. This needs to end so we can move forward. As this song tonight said, he left the grave, so will I. And that was on uh, the words I was hearing. Here's the good news you've forgotten. It's my power that accomplishes these things, not yours. But you must follow me.
to instruct you into a place of healing and recovery. I have words to speak over you that will begin to bring you into a place of agreement with me that will empower you. But there's some business we need to take care of. Listen to me and allow me to tutor you through this season where I will be imprinting on your heart the truth. Here is your part. You must stay close, pay attention, and open your heart to me. And there's one more thing I want to tell you. You must never, ever return to the land of regret again. We're done with that. That word stuck with me and was written on my heart, and it's fresh, it's new. I don't know what will come of this, but I needed to share this with you because some of us carry our past around like an anchor. We drag it behind us, and we never can get our footing. We never can get a rhythm in our lives. Someone once said, seeing your past without the redemptive work of Jesus is a dangerous thing because it leaves you a victim to your memories. But when Jesus is with you, as you view your past, healing comes. There's transformation as he speaks truth, and you drop the lies of your interpretation of your past. So I began a study of the word regret. Not done with it. I'm just still working on it. But regret is a feeling. It's also a noun, but it's also a feeling of sadness and disappointment over something that has happened or been done or not been done. And it's not just a sadness. It's a deep sadness. It's a, a heart-deep, chronic pain that spreads like cancer and destroys everything it comes in contact with. It defiles a person. It corrupts your thinking. Someone said it this way, when you live inside a filter of constant self-blame, it ultimately keeps you from re-engaging with life. And to make matters worse, regret is often accompanied by feelings or emotions that are very negative, such as guilt and shame and disappointment, self-blame, frustration. That's the environment, that's the atmosphere of regret. And where there is self-blame, some form of self-punishment will follow. So what is the solution for this problem of regret? What's the answer for people who live in this place in history with one foot in their grave and one foot in the land of the living? The answer is the same that it's always been. But we missed it. I did. It is a consistent truth in the Bible that forgiveness is essential to health and wholeness. Emotional, relational, spiritual. If we cling to the things that held us captive, we can never go forward. I've taught on forgiveness for years. For 10 years, 
I wrote materials on forgiveness for recovery people to come out of the place where they, they could begin to do amends with people they had harmed and began to release forgiveness to people who had harmed them. And I... <laughs> And yet, this thing still is stuck in my heart. I know the answers, and I couldn't make it work for me. The only answer could be that I didn't believe God's mercy could extend to a person like me. The someone I had been or the some things I had done were beyond his reach. And they were because I kept them there. See, like Paul, I was considered myself chief, chief among sinners. But unlike Paul, that belief was still written on my heart. So what would this Savior Jesus do to bring me to a place of health and wholeness? How could he do that? I sensed that he wanted to. It was, it was number one on his agenda with me. He had been talking to me for some time about this. And I didn't know how to engage with him. But I was hopeful. In my case, I've discovered that the Lord would, <laughs> he would begin to teach me something new with his word. It's just the way he talks to me. The, the Lord sends me love notes in people's words. And these words that he sends to me grip my heart because they have life. And they take me to a place of understanding that I couldn't have been before. Suddenly, everywhere I turned, I saw these love notes, reminders about the process of dealing with regret, reminders that there's other people that have been here before me that have done the same thing. There's people now um, with the same longevity and, and age chronologically as I am who have not dealt with these things because they've not known how. It's one thing for me to tell you to do something. It's another thing for you to engage it with your heart. Can we agree on that? I mean, we can know these things and still not do them. But God's coming in this season to set us free from these things that have plagued us for years. That's the truth. One of these love notes came in the form of a post by a, a gentleman by the name of Sean Bowles. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's the most incredibly prophetic person I've ever met. I won't go into all the details of what he does, but he's just, he's just very gifted. I was stunned. I was listening to a, I was on the treadmill, I think, at the gym, listening to a YouTube thing he was doing. And he was teaching, um, and he was talking, and he began to share this message, and I I nearly had to get off the machine because it was the same thing I'm telling you about. And he was experiencing the same things that I'm experiencing now. One of the most gifted people I've ever seen. And he's talking about this thing in his heart that where he's stuck. Here's his words. He said, I realize that I must detox from unbelief and places of disappointment in my life. Isn't that good language? I must learn to detox from these frustrations and disappointments and loss. And I've got to come away from that and develop some sense of health. He said, one terrible thing that happened was that I had disengaged my heart and come into a place of unbelief. He absolutely began to ignore certain facets of, of 
of Christianity and what was going on and what God was speaking because he did not believe it because he had not experienced it. And yet he was operating in an incredible level of prophecy. And this was all because of disappointment and broken faith. And he admitted the worst thing I could do was limit the Holy Spirit because of my unbelief. The next love note, if you will, or message I got from God that was just reinforcing this theme was, was from a prophetic word written by Chris Vallotton. And Chris wrote this, I think it was in a, a blog or something recently. He said this, Some of you are now walking in the greatest awakening encounters of your life with Jesus. And that's what this felt like. It was like an awakening. He said, we're filters of pain, trauma, disappointment, and grief have had you seeing Jesus in a way that he isn't. You're walking in the awakening of healing and seeing who he really is for the first time. See, this is a healing season for God's people. This is a season for the bones to begin to come together, awaiting and anticipating the breath of God. Here's some of my regrets. I want to share these with you because I'm going to put them away as best I know how. God and I are going to deal with these things. I wish I'd had the courage to live a true life to, of my, to myself and not the life others expected of me. To have been true to myself. But I didn't. I was, I was a people pleaser. I wish I hadn't worked so hard but had let myself be happier. What an incredible loss of joy and happiness. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings in a healthy way and stay in the connection of relationships and not quit because it was painful, but to stay and learn how to navigate those relationships in a healthy way. I wish that I had done that. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends and not been so busy in being the world's savior that I ignored them. I wish I'd never done that to that person. Fill in the blank. All those things have plagued me for years. And now, today, in the present, the Father's asking me to join him in forgiving myself and putting them away. I want to read you, this is my last note. This is the, I just got this yesterday from a friend named John Lynch. And I follow him and he's, just a dear person, but he was speaking, and I have to use, I have to read this to you because it's so incredible. And he says this, you need not be afraid or convinced that something is uniquely, irreparably wrong with you. If you woke up today carrying a lingering self-doubt, self-disgust, or regret, you're not alone, and you're not an exception. You are simply human. And humans find themselves shocked at the newest revelation of pains and hurt and loss. And our first response is rarely faith. Can you agree with me on that? The first thought is often about our particular wrongness. What's wrong with me? That's the shame of my history. 
Or it's about a life that keeps dealing us more than we can handle, about failure after failure, overwhelming circumstances that just seem to just deluge us. I know it sounds trite, he says, but just call his name Jesus. And then wait. And then believe or imagine or picture in your mind him standing in your behalf delighted to protect your very being see him in the storm with you he has the ability the love the goodness to stop whatever has started or to bring you to peace in the midst of your circumstances I can imagine Peter and the rest standing there in the boat on Galilee, knee-deep in water, staring at Jesus after he stopped the storm that most certainly was going to kill them. Jesus slowly breaks into a smile. And Peter, sopping wet, thinks, all I've ever hoped, all, I've, all, all I have never been able to be all I ever fought for is now being ir made irrelevant by this man. He has given me an entirely new measure and meaning to life. Oh, Peter, don't screw this up. Stand next to him and believe what he says. <laughs> That's hopeful, isn't it? There is no going back from this. There's no looking back. Everything now is forward. Never did a boat carry 12 humans at such peace. There is nothing irreparably wrong with you, my friend. You are just human. And the stuffing comes out and the bolts untwist over time. For the rest of this ride, no self-reform, no bold promises of what you'll do this time will avail. Only his name. He is your life. He is your hope. He is the one who holds you together. Let him into your deepest fears, your chronic sadness. He will be the giver of meaning to every day you have left. Jesus. This is a, this is a wonderful place to be. I'm totally disoriented. I don't know what God's doing, but I know he's with us and he's for us. And what he's about to do will empower us to become the people we never thought possible. I believe that. I believe that. I'm going to read you a prayer that I used in Celebrate Recovery with people to forgive themselves because I've been reading this to myself. Is that okay? And you can listen to it and if you like it. You can say amen at the end. But it says, today, I recognize the depth of imprisonment and captivity that unforgiveness has had on my life. And I choose to forgive myself. I choose to. I forgive myself for my part in my regrets. I agree with the words of my Savior in saying, I forgive myself for I knew not what I was doing. And I release myself from my judgments solely into the hands of my just judge. He alone has 
the wisdom and the grace to deal with my sin. And he has already done so on his cross. I leave this in his care, never to pick it up again. In the mighty name of Jesus. Be free, child, and enter into the joy of your Father and your Savior, Jesus Christ. Now receive your joy and peace. Thank you for intervening on my behalf once again, and thank you for today. I seal this work with the power of your Holy Spirit, never to be tormented by the enemy again. Can you say amen with me? That's my story for tonight. It's a good season, and um, good things are coming.